Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time this morning as we consider uh, your mission here on earth as we just celebrated just the reality of uh, the gospel, Father, the result that we really could have uh, a communion with you, that there is a living hope for those who have called upon your name or have been saved by your grace. We are so thankful for that. We pray a blessing upon the teaching of your word this morning. I know these guys don't really want to hear from me. We want to hear from you, God, what you would have to say. And if there's correction that needs to take place in our thinking, in our hearts, let that happen. Father, I also would pray that we as a church family here would be encouraged this morning in what you have called us, our purpose for being here. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would do what's needed here. Give us ears to hear. We ask in your name. Amen. So I would encourage you guys, grab your Bible, open up to Genesis 12. That'll be the first passage we look at this morning. Steve just alluded to it. And also, please take some notes this morning. Uh, what we're going to dump on you <laughs> is going to be eye-opening for some, and it's going to be very confirming for others. We're going to be considering mission this morning. And what is our mission here at Freedom Fellowship? I don't really care. Because <laughs> Freedom Fellowship, guys, we try to do what God is telling us to do in his word, but the reality is there's only one church. We shouldn't be unique. Why is our mission different than anybody else's? I think if we are following what God's asked, the mission of the church is the same for every single church, or it should be. And I'm very sad that we put such an emphasis today on mission. What is our unique calling as the church? Why is our church different than everyone else's? Why are we better than everybody else? No, that doesn't matter. There's one church. Amen? Amen. So we're going to consider this morning as God's people, there is a journey that we are on. We are pilgrims just passing through in this life, and we are really to be on mission. And mission is simply sending. God has us here for a purpose. He is sending us. The sending of Christ we're going to consider this morning, his mission um, we're going to look into, and we're going to just draw our inspiration this morning uh, from the words of Jesus himself to his disciples. You can jot down John chapter 20, verse 21. For as the Father has sent me, do you guys remember what Jesus said? Exactly, so I send you. Okay, pretty simple, and we're just going to hang on that a little bit this morning. Jesus was sent on a mission by the Father for what? For the glory of God and the betterment of humanity. And in the same way that Jesus was sent, we, the church, are sent by him. So on a mission by Jesus for the glory of God and the betterment of humanity. Enough said? Good sermon this morning? Amen? We could just leave it at that, but of course we want to dive in a little bit more. But I just wish the church would just get that simple fact statement man what would god do if we just hung to that and lived that that we were really the sent ones so what we are exploring here today is really what does it mean to be sent by jesus in the same way that he was sent by the father what does that look like for you and i individually and corporately um, as a part of the church so what does it mean to be sent? 
Today we're going to look at the concept of mission. And there's really two things I want you guys to jot down here as we uh, go through this. And I really want us to accomplish this morning. And I think a big part of it is we need to recapture the, scent of scent, or the, the sense of sentness. That's something that's really been lost in the church. What does that mean? We need to do mission like Jesus did mission. So ultimately, we need to see every Christian liberated to be on mission, to actually be in motion in her or his immediate context. So we um, are here this morning, and we really need to, we need to be real. We need to be brutally honest. Where are we at? What are we actually doing? It's one thing to give lip service to these things, to what the scriptures would speak, what Jesus said about sending us, but we need to be honest. What are we actually doing? We just don't want to give lip service to the word of God. We want to be hearers, but also, as James 1.22 tells us, be doers of it. So living with missional intentionality. So are you living for a grand purpose? Or what are you living for? I believe the grandest purpose in this life is to glorify God. Didn't Isaiah tell us that's the reason we were created? That's the reason. But wait, I have a really good career. I'm on a good path right now. You know, I got a really cute girlfriend. (laughs) I'm hoping I get to marry her someday. I mean, we get caught up in so many other things. But what is the grand purpose. So God has invited us into meaning. So I'm fascinated with the study of mission, okay? As you consider mission methodology of Christ, looking into how he was sent, how did he go to, how did he love people, how did he confront people, how did he reveal truth to others, how do we do mission? That's something I think we all should be fascinated with as believers. So it has been a blessing spending uh, much time going through the Gospel of Matthew with you over the last year. And I'm excited to finish it up with you guys this next year. We just finished the parables in those first 13 chapters, guys. We got to see really a great context of why Jesus came and how he was about kingdom business, his father's business, why he came, the message that he is speaking So I think we are going to be able to pull a lot into the study that's set before us this morning. And I think a big reason for us to study this and why it's needed at this time, there's a failure, okay? There's a fundamental failure today in the modern church, especially the American church. So what is this fundamental failure? Well, what it does, it freezes the church in their calling, and renders us less than what God has us to be. I want to share with you guys, um, Wayne Cadero, I've read three or four of his books. He's into inductive Bible study stuff big time, just encourages, he's a Hawaiian pastor. You guys know Hawaiian pastors? Yeah, they're just sweet, loving, flower-wearing shirt people. But anyways, this, this book's called The Irresistible Church. And what got me is this 12 traits of the church that heaven applauds. Who cares what we think? What's going to honor God? I mean, that title grabbed me. I'm like, hey, I want to read this book. But he said um, in his book here, there's so many good things. 
Um, but he just made a side comment that hit me. He said, I wonder if God will say something similar to numerous churches one day. Nice looking church building. Wonderful greeters. Heavenly relevant music. Well organized small groups. Grade F. Wrong assignment. Right on, brother. How does God see the church? He then goes on later to say, a church's emphasis should never be more than come here than on let's go out there. Come build up our church. <laughs> it's about us. Let's do a campaign so we can build a bigger building and do this and do that and make us more comfortable. I still don't see that in Scripture, guys. And I think I've read it all. I just haven't found it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't see it there. That is the mindset of the church today. So what is the fundamental failure that <clears throat> has us frozen? I'm so glad you guys asked. Here it is, guys. I think it's multifaceted. First of all, I think there is a failure to understand the biblical concept of mission. I think that's the biggest thing. So if the church isn't being taught the word of God, how are they going to be able to live the word of God? Secondly, there's a failure to understand ourselves as the church. Okay, we are all part of the body of Christ. Okay, each one of us is important. Paul would say in Corinthians, we just finished it up in our men's Bible study, and Paul exhorted, hey, every part's needed. We are one. If there's one that's suffering, we're all suffering. And honor the weaker vessels. Like God says, even the, the least important in our eyes or what we would see, no, is very important to the whole because the whole can't even do nothing without that piece, that part. So honor them. Anyway, sorry, we're going off. The third point I want to see is there's a failure to understand the context of church, especially here in North America. So we will start with God. Mission always starts with God. God is the initiator of mission. So all mission is God's mission. Also, we need to have a theocentric understanding of mission. So as opposed to ecclesiocentric or anthropocentric or even cosmocentric, we need to do mission. We need to understand mission because that is who God is. Okay? That is God. He's on a mission. Before the foundations of the world, <laughs> Christ was crucified. He had a mission already set. So it's what God does. So God is a missionary God who by his very nature reaches out and he sends. He is a sender, sent, and he's sending. He is what we see when we look at what the nature of God is. Mission has its origin in and with God, not the church. Do you guys get that? It is God. Also, the church did not invent mission. It is a part of God's mission. But the other thing that we must say about God when it comes to mission is mission exists because worship doesn't. Let me say that again. Mission exists because worship doesn't doesn't the goal of all missions is for god to be worshiped adored 
and glorified among all peoples. He's worthy of it, isn't he? That's what we've been created for. But a whole lot of people not doing that. A lot of people today are choosing other things over worshiping their creator. Another, I know we have a few visitors here this morning. I'm so glad you guys are with us. I don't hardly ever quote anybody from other books. Well, I quote them, but I don't actually read from other books. But as I was preparing this week, I've read through um, this book twice in the last year. Got to go down and partake in a conference with uh, these guys. Um, there's a, church, or a book called Vertical Church. Um, which one did I want to share with you guys right now? It's the second one. There it is. Okay. Um, James McDonald, uh, he wrote this. He said, Placing evangelistic mission above the mission of God's glory, catch what he says, is the single most destructive error in the church today in one form which many other errors fall out. I have to agree with them, guys. If we don't understand what the Bible is calling us to, everything else is going to be affected by it. That's why we need to grasp what God has said about mission, about why we are here. So, how should we understand the biblical concept of mission? Well, worship is the ultimate goal. Okay? To glorify God. Not mission in and of itself, and the reason there is twofold. First of all, God is worthy. <laughs> and second of all, humanity is healed. Do we need healing, guys? Absolutely. And the world's looking everywhere except to the one who is able to heal, ultimately. So we need a biblical understanding of mission. And the Bible is a book about who? About God. So... Practically, guys, the witness of God's mission and its unfolding in human history, we can read the Bible missiologically, okay, um, or with a missional hermeneutic, though we often don't do that. We often don't hear sermons preached in such a way. We normally read it selfishly. Can we be honest for a minute? We read it selfishly. What should I do <laughs> instead of what is God doing? So part of what the Bible reveals is that throughout history, God has chosen to work through people, not independent of people. So part of the Bible reveals that throughout, well, let's actually take a look here. Turn to Genesis chapter 12. We'll see a great example. I love that Steve shared on the covenantal God this morning and looked at Abraham. We're going to also do the same thing, because we need to have a historical understanding of mission. And we see back all the way in Genesis chapter 12. Look at here, verse 1. This is speaking to Abram, or Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and, not from, or, and from your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and you 
all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So did you guys catch this here? Abraham is blessed to what? To be a blessing. What? Yeah. That's why he was blessed. All peoples, every nation, including God's plan. Okay, so God blessed a man to bless a nation in order to what? Bless all nations. So God's mission unfolded across centuries throughout the nation of Israel and reached the revelatory climax in the coming of Christ to the nation of Israel. Okay, turn to Hebrews now, chapter one. New Testament, but this is written to the Jewish people. Deep stuff in the book of Hebrews. Some think Paul wrote it. Also, of course, inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's so good, sometimes I wonder if God just dropped it from heaven. <laughs> you know? Here you go. <laughs> but check this out. The first, it opens by saying God who at various times throughout history, God at various times in various ways, he spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken by who? By his son, so Jesus is the full and the final revelation and the ultimate missionary. So all mission from hence forward is centered on the person, the work, and the message of Jesus. That is what the author of Hebrews is telling us. So God's mission reached that functional climax in Christ's ministry, his death, in his resurrection, all mission now functions according to what? It would be the gospel. Logically, what he's laying out before us. This is what he's telling us. So God's mission continued in the sending of the Spirit then to call forth, to empower, to lead, and to gift the church to what? To be witnesses of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news. Turn to Acts real quick. First book you find after the Gospels in the New Testament. This is after Jesus died, rose again. He's about to be caught up into heaven. And the church gets empowered by the Holy Spirit at this time. And what does Acts chapter 1 tell us, guys? The former account I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. That's all we're going to read. Why is that important, Pastor? Glad you asked. Again, notice it said Jesus began to do and to teach. This is after his resurrection, right before he's caught up. If you guys study Greek and you jump into what actually is being declared here right at the birth of the church, this is what the first church is going to do, the book of Acts. Jesus began to do and to teach. The verb is in an imperfect tense there, meaning that it's an ongoing action. So the mission is continued through the church. God's mission continues today, brother and sister. Worldwide, the church is a witness throughout every culture to the gospel and to the kingdom of Christ. So God's mission is moving forward towards a promised consumption in the final day. So the eschaton, 
It's not the destruction of all things. It doesn't mean that, but rather the renewal of all things. Really, is that going to happen? You betcha. You guys know this book's prophetic? Why? Because, hey, the Spirit of Christ is prophecy. Only God can foretell the future. Why is this book legit and all the other ones aren't? Because none of them have fulfilled prophecy. This is the only one. Thousands. And he has many more speaking about what's to come. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 21 together. And we will look about this. He renews all things. I love this passage of Scripture that we find in Revelation 21. Look at the first five verses together here. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. Also there was no more sea. And then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And then I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. It's going to be a great day. And there shall be no more death. There shall be no more sorrow. No more crying. And there shall be no more pain. For the former things, they've passed away. And check out verse 5. And he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these are the words. These words, they are true and they are faithful. So God's goal is to make all things new. That's why being born again has to happen. Okay? That's why 2 Corinthians 5.17 has to happen. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. That's what happens when a person's born again in the Spirit of God. They are made new. So the church is not the goal of mission or the gospel but rather it is God's instrument and witness. So I want to talk about a disconnect that I see. We see ourselves individually, our individual salvation and individual worship of God. That's my goal. It's all about my personal relationship with God. There needs to be a reconnect, guys. And that would be the goal is not our individual salvation and worship but the renewal of the whole world in the worship of God by all peoples, not just us. Is God worthy of the worship of your neighbor across the street just as much as yours? Absolutely. But wait a minute, it's all about me. No, it's not. It is about God and he is worth. You guys understand? Okay, but that doesn't preach well in the church here in America, Pastor. I don't care. It's what the Bible says. Also, we see a disconnect when we see the church as a place to meet our needs. Why are you here this morning? There needs to be a reconnect. And the reconnect is the church is not where we get our needs met, but rather a means through which God meets the needs of the world. We're the sent ones. We are to go and to meet the needs of the world. There is a disconnect also. Oh, sorry. Oh no, next disconnect. We see mission as one of many programs of the church, right? We got a lot of stuff going on. 
including our missions. You guys want to come over here and look at our missions wall, see all the missionaries we support? I've had pastors show me their missions walls, their pride and joy. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's great. I think we need to be supporting brothers and sisters in the work of the Lord. Absolutely. So there is that mission concept, programs in the church in which we may or may not be participating in. But I think there needs to be a reconnect even with that, guys. Mission's not a program of the church. It defines the church. Okay? It's not just something we do over here on the No, it's everything we're about. It encompasses everything that we do. Disconnect. We send people off to their place to do missions. No, the reconnect then has to come back to know we have been sent into our place to do missions. So the church is the people of God, called by God, sent by God for the glory of God to meet the world, <laughs> the needs of the world by God. So how should we understand ourselves as the church? Well, the definition there, I think there's two driving factors. The first would be, and the most important, again, the glory of God. Why do we keep coming back to that, Pastor? Because it's the most important thing, guys. That's what matters. Humanitarian concern, though important, it's not the driving force of mission. Mission is propelled by a deep love for the name and the glory of God. The Apostle Paul spoke, you guys can jot down Romans 1.5. I love this scripture. I don't hear anybody ever reference it. But I think it's a huge part of God's heart. The Apostle Paul got it. Okay, In this missionary endeavor, he said this, to bring, to, or bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake. How much truth is jammed into that one statement? What? Yeah. Do we pray that way? God, you are worthy. And the second I'd like to lay out here when we understand what our, ourselves in the church is that our identity is God's people. We need to really understand that. Because we are loved, we love others, Right? with a love in which we've been loved. Because we're saved, we seek to see others saved also by the one who saved us. Because we are reconciled, we seek to reconcile others to God. Because we're cared for, we seek to care for others. Mission's not just a program of the church. It defines the church as God's sent people. I quote this, we are called out of the world to belong to God and also sent back into the world to witness and to serve. Moreover, the mission of the church is modeled on the mission of Christ. He himself said so, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So we must see ourselves as sent people. Do you identify with that, brother and sister? Do you see that? What are we living for? You see, we are supposed to be the church in everyday life. Not just because it's Sunday morning and this is what we do. It's not going to church almost every Sunday. I'm a good Christian. 90% of the Sundays I made this year, yippee skippy. You, know? you see, mission should be normal 
it should be easy. It should be a part of our DNA. It's just who we are. It's how we live everyday life. So be liberated in your new identity, guys. This is who you are in Christ. Just do it. My heart's grieved when I read some 80, 90% of Christians will never share their faith. What? It's the one thing God's asked us to do. How can I not share it? You see, we need to get over ourselves to see that we're sent everywhere we go. It doesn't matter where we go. We're sent. If you're on vacation, guys, guess what? You're sent. I love doing vacations with my family, but I don't leave Jesus and my mission that God's asked me to be a part of behind. Even on vacation, hey, where are opportunities to be praying, to be sharing, to be loving others? I don't take a break. We never take a break because it's who we are. How can we not? So full-time mission and full-time ministry for each and every believer, guys. To get this, we have to know our identity in Christ. So modern missionary movement has been a great success, but the church in North America, guys, has recently experienced a loss not only in numbers, but also in power and influence in our society. 1 Timothy 3.15, we should be a pillar of truth in our societies. When's the last time someone came up to me, or, or you, and said, hey, you're a Christian. You know what God has to say. This is going on in our world. This is happening. What do you say about that? I need some truth right now. I got some decisions to make. They look at the church and they laugh. You guys are a joke. Can't believe you believe that stuff. Can't believe you guys aren't tolerant like we're all tolerant. Because we're to be tolerant of everything except you Jesus-loving people. We're not tolerant. Anyways, figure that out. If you can't, eh, let me share one more thing with, for, with you guys. Let me see if I can find it real quick. James, here it is. Epic failure is what he called this part of his book. And I'm not going to read it all, although it's really cool. Um, he just points out a few things that are going on in the American church. 6,000 churches close their doors each year. What? It's true, guys. It's true. I mean, just here in the valley, think about how many churches have just closed in the last decade. 3,500 Americans leave the church every day. Only one pastor in 10 retires while still in ministry. One in 10. I'm pastoring to the day I die. You guys know why? Because it's what God's asked of me. Period. What are you called to? Be faithful. Well done, my good and faithful servant. But take heed, at least you fall. <laughs> We've got to stay humble, guys. And we got to stay on mission to the day we die. It's not, well, I did my part. I served the Lord when I was young. I put my time in. My kids are raised. I get to retire now. Again, if I've missed retirement in the scriptures, I haven't seen that scripture yet. Please share it with me. Um, only one pastor, I read that one. It's, he also pointed out that less than 20% of Americans attend church regularly. Only 15% of churches in the United States are growing numerically. Only 15%? Only 15%. I want to see our, grow, our church grow. I really do. 
You guys know that I don't care about megachurches a whole lot, but I do care about people coming to know Jesus Christ and believers hearing his word, being built up, equipped for the work of the ministry. I love that every chair would be here filled. Yesterday we had an elders meeting. We talked about going to a second service. When is that going to be time? When is it needed? I love being able to be all together at one time, but that's not practical. That's not doing mission. I was telling Pastor Dave right before service, just when we started the church, we talked about never having a big church here at Freedom Fellowship. There's a uniqueness in smaller churches, how God can use that. And there is. If we ever get to a point where there's hundreds of people, of course we're going to seek God. What does God want? But I'd love to see our church split. Let's do another church plant. Okay? There's a lot of cities around here that don't have Bible teaching churches. You know? Connor's the one in that doesn't but now there is praise god you know a lot of other anyways you guys get the point um what else does he say only two percent of growing churches are effectively winning converts to christ only two percent only nine percent of evangelicals tithe to their churches okay only nine percent just think if everybody tithed just think about the amount of ammunition we would have to get the gospel out. Okay? Honestly, guys, I love that Dave's coming on staff. I wish we could pay Dave full-time to be here his whole time. I'd love to hire a dozen ministers. <laughs> hey, guys, we need to be at, because people minister to people. Do you guys get that? It just happens. But people are spending so much money on stuff. <laughs> rather than going. I know missionary friends who are out there giving their all. They've left everything behind and financially they're struggling just to serve because financially they have no backing. Shame on us. Anyways, I don't want to shame us. The point is, I just read this stuff. It should break our hearts. 800 new church plants survive every year. That's cool. And then he says 10,000 new churches would be needed annually to keep up with the population growth. What? Okay, 800 new churches are planted, but we need 10,000 just to keep up with population. That's true. Do you guys know that the Spirit of God, if it would fall right here in the Fox Valley, the churches that are here, we have about 200 in Outagamie County. We don't have enough space and enough ministers, even if just 5 to 10% of the population would come to faith for us to care for the church. And you've heard me say this before. If revival would break out, the Spirit of God would drop. You guys aren't welcome to come here anymore. You open your doors in your homes. You take in your neighbors. You open the Bible. You start teaching them the Word of God. You start discipling, loving, praying together. And guess what? There's going to be more than 10,000 churches right here in the Fox Valley started this year. Amen? I think that would be exciting. Anyways, let's wrap this up. So the question we need to ask, I think, right now is this. How should we view this in our immediate context? Let's bring this home. Okay, Our culture, our American society here, should we view it as a mission field? Or should we look at it as evangelized? Because we are a Christian nation, are we not? I don't know. A lot of Christians in hiding then because most people I talk to want nothing to do with Jesus. In 1908, Pope Pius X he determined the mission status of the American church was complete, evangelized. Now, I'm not that old. James might be, but I'm not. 
I love you, bro. You know that. So maybe that was right to think back in 1908. I don't know. I wasn't around during that time. But I am around now. And as I look around, I see a culture that is far from God. Not just missing the mark a little bit, but we're flat out across the street, just a couple hundred yards, teaching hundreds of our middle school kids there is no God. That happens across the street, guys. There is no God. You're a byproduct of goo. Survival of the fittest. Whatever go. Anyways, we're not going to talk about that today. Um, yeah. So what should we think about this? If we're around now, I think you guys would agree with me. We're far from God. A church in America, I believe, is far from God. A gospel that has been perverted, been maligned, increasingly anti-church, anti-Christian, Christ attitude, very consumer-driven. What can I get out of God? That's backwards. In North America, it could ever have considered being evangelized. It certainly isn't now. I don't know what that Pope was thinking, but it's definitely not evangelized today. You know, And we can't tell people's hearts, but I would say 5% of the population are truly born again. That would be amazing. Truly. I have a heart to evangelize. I've talked to literally thousands of people right here in our backyard over the years about Jesus Christ, and most of the people I've talked to are not born again. And many of them have gone to church. They have a religious background tradition, but they aren't saved, guys. You see, the North America, if it could ever have been considered evangelized, um, I think it would have been a long, long time ago. <laughs> We're drifting, drifting quickly. Our society is post-Christian. It's rapidly moving towards anti-Christian. I mean, we're suing Christians today because don't we have religious freedoms here in America? How can we be sued? It just, you guys understand. Everything goes but Jesus. Um, so how should we understand the context of North Americans? And why that matters is not because we're afraid of the church being marginalized, but because we want less people inspired by hell and going to hell. You see... The fair and proper, I think, proper way to speak to North America, we have to do it as a mission field. We have to see it as a mission field. China, communists, church does not go over well there. Believers don't go over well there. I have friends who minister there. I have friends who smuggle Bibles into the country so people can hear the truth. Well, the church that's there, that's been underground, has come forward, and it's a lot bigger than they thought. And do you guys know that the Chinese are sending missionaries, guess where? To America. Because people need to hear about Jesus. So the world even sees that we're in need, guys. So if you doubt this is true, just think about your own workplace, your school, family, for a moment. It doesn't take long to probably come to the same conclusion. So having agreed that our context here is a mission field, we must then mu ask okay, ourselves, how can the church, a church, be faithful to Jesus, to the gospel, to the scriptures, and to the calling and sending into North America? Um, I want to share one more 
book with you guys this morning. Strategically Small Church. I just read it for the second time through this week. A lot of great stuff in here. Um, the Strategically Small Church, Intimate, Nimble, Authentic, and Effective. Do you guys know that what church, small churches can do? Do you know what about a dozen of our youth are doing and our youth leaders are doing right now? They're serving other believers up at Silver Birch Ranch. Our kids are serving other kids. Why? Serving is a part of God's heart, guys. I think that's a, we're a small church. We shouldn't even have a youth group. But we got a dozen kids that are serving this morning that others may grow and come to know Jesus Christ. How cool. In two weeks from now, we're going to be at Kakana High School. I don't know if you guys know this, but a few years back, we had nine suicides in the high school. Seven kids, two school teachers. It's dark there. There's a brother that's going to go in and share, inspire these young kids during the day. And then in the evening, we're going to join him. And all these kids and their families are invited back. We did this a few years back over across the street at the middle school. We had over 100 kids come forward to receive Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. There's a door open. Sonny's been subbing there. I hope none of their coworkers are listening. Well, maybe I do hope they're, maybe they'll get saved. But they were undone. Dude, did you hear that Bob Lenz is coming here? He's going to be speaking. That should not be allowed. That should not happen in our school. He's all about Jesus. We can't have faith stuff in our school. That's the heart of these teachers, the ones that are teaching our kids. They want nothing to do with it. But I'm just praising God and I ask you guys to just be praying the 28th, that Monday, that hearts would be open, that the gospel would go forth in truth and in power, that people would be set free, that we'd have opportunity to come alongside these kids, to minister to them, to pray with them. So I think that's pretty darn cool. A little bitty church doing a lot. This next week, do you guys know we're going on nine years of serving at the Freedom Center Food Pantry. Nine years this next week. Where did the time go? Almost 250 families being ministered to, being served, needs being met every single week. Dozens and dozens and dozens of volunteers have come to know Jesus through that time. Bill just passed away a couple weeks ago. I believe he's in heaven today because of the efforts of the food pantry. He came to know Jesus through just wanting to serve and help others. And we're sharing the gospel every week with people. We're a little church. How could a little church in Kokana, Wisconsin have one of the biggest food ministries in the valley? It's God. We're on mission. Well, shouldn't we be pouring more efforts into the church here? Building the church here isn't all about us? No. What's God's heart? <laughs> he has a heart for the poor. He's a heart to make himself known to all people. Let's, anyways, I was going to read something. We're not talking about us piping our horn. It's God. All this stuff that's happening, it's God. We're just a part of what he is up to. And that's all we want to do here at Freedom Fellowship. Be in step with God. What are you asking us to do? And how can we as brothers and sisters encourage each other to be on mission? You're praying for your neighbors. How can I be praying for you? We should all have those opportunities. So... um, In this book, he says this, God used the combined faithfulness and strength of dozens of under-resourced, poorly staffed, badly programmed, and unprofessional small churches to change the world forever. 
All they had was the gospel of Christ and the Holy Spirit. Did not the early church turn the world upside down for Jesus Christ? That's what he is. He chooses the foolish things of the world. You know, and I've been so encouraged. I'm having Dave take this book with them today and stuff. But it's just the uniqueness that God can use small churches in big ways because there's an intimacy. We're nimble. We're authentic. We're effective. You know, there's pros and cons to big and small churches, guys. But again, there's one church. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what our size is. Are we doing what God's asking us to do? That's the bottom line. So, wrapping this up. We, the church in North America, we need to go back to a mission status. That's what is needed today. As the Father sent me, I also send you. But we must start at the beginning to shift our paradigm from thinking the mission field, hey, it's over there, to realize, and no, it's right here. It's in our own backyard. It's our neighbors. It's the people across the street. It's my coworkers. It's the family my kids are playing ball with. We need to go from thinking mission is something they do, their missionaries, to realizing mission is what we, the church, does. We need to go from thinking as the church we send people to realize that as the church we are sent people. So God's mission is his calling us to himself to worship him and then sending us into the world in service to represent his kingdom and proclaim the gospel wherever we find ourselves. Let's stand to our feet and pray. Well, Father, this stuff is good. It is right. Without your help, we can't do nothing. So our simple prayer as we conclude our time this morning is, God, would you help us to be on mission? Please. For your glory. Amen?